Welcome to another episode of Conduct Detrimental. Dan Lust joined in the co-host seat by Stephanie Weisenberger and our guest, Andrew Petcash. We've got some, uh, some business to do today. We've been covering the commander story on and off for the last uh, better part of two years. We're getting closer and closer to resolution. We're going to talk today about the latest in Josh Harris indemnification, some random guy that says he has $7 billion and he wants to fully indemnify Dan Snyder. We will talk about that. The latest in NIL, John Moran. We'll do some catch up with uh, a little bit of stuff on the Masters. But before we get there, a reminder, our podcast is sponsored by Themis Bar Review, top bar prep company in the entire galaxy. Use our promo code GOODSPORT500 to get $500 off for your bar prep. So, Andrew, I've been wanting to kind of bring you on for a little bit. You and I spoke about a year ago. So for those that don't know, Andrew, if if I were to say that you're like the next generation of Darren Ravel, is that an insult or is that like a compliment? <laughs> I've heard that a few times. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, me and Darren have chatted a few times, all friendly stuff. So, I mean, I take it as a compliment. I, I take 1.7 million followers or whatever he has. So what's, yeah. the, what's the count out now? 68,000 or something. I don't know. I don't really look that much. because oh, I, I, really, I don't really look that I much. I mean, everyone, everyone looks, but I've started taking more perspective of it's not how many, it's how quality. And when I start focusing a little more on that, the relationships that come out of it much better. So a little tip there for anyone. So, All right. So engage with Andrew then on Twitter. That's that's the key here. Yeah. My one, my one fault is I answer everyone on everything. Email, DMs, like gotten in fights on it, everything. Like I just need to take some Joe Rogan advice and just leave comments, be leave DMS, emails, just like, it's okay not to answer everyone. So we got Mr. 60,000 uh, followers, Andrew Petcash. We have uh, miss major league baseball, Stephanie Weissenberger. Um, listen, I'm happy you guys let me on the podcast though. I'm just surrounded by greatness over here. The other story we're going to cover at the end, Andrew, you're going to, we're going to spare you from this. Can't believe we're saying this, but uh, Stephanie, are you ready to go in the weeds of uh, the Scandal debate? I am ready. I have a feeling we might get some uh, good Twitter user engagement from I, the Scandal community. The Bravo community for this, it goes far and wide. Listen, just so people don't think that we're insane, we're going to wait. We're going to wait to cover it to the end. If you have no idea what we're talking about there, uh, again, guys, remember your, your boy here is a law school professor. I think there are some interesting uh, legal research. I don't know, some some weeds we've gotten into, but we'll, we'll save it for the end. If you don't know what uh, Scandaval is, uh, ask your significant other what, what Vanderpump is or just go on Instagram for like a minute, a minute and you will find it. Okay. <laughs> Um, let's, let's start here. So, um, Andrew, I wanted to have you on You're you're kind of this guy at the sports business corner. I love seeing everything you're doing. You and I spoke about like a year ago today and I've been uh, love, I, I, I remember looking at your stuff and I'm like, stuff is like really good. These graphics are really good. Like this is going to hit. And then, uh, you know, I wish I had bought stock in Andrew Petcash, uh, last year cause, uh, going up and up. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave it to you, um, to kind of kick us off here. The commander saga. What, what's, uh, what's your take on the latest? So we can kind of fill our listeners up to speed in the timeline, but what, what are you seeing now in this commander space as we get closer to a $6 billion sale? That seems to be your, uh, your, your network over there. Yeah. I mean, I'm just curious, like, honestly, take away this piece of it. How high can NFL teams go for? Like, where is there a top? Like, is there a cap somewhere? Because it's like 4.5 for the Broncos last year. This one's looking like six. What's the next one? Like, if Steelers were to sell. Or the Dallas Cowboys. What is that? 10 billion, 12 billion? So that's kind of my, my first thoughts on it. It's just like, is there a cap? Like, how high can these really go? Well, we see these like fake evaluations lists, like the Yankees are worth like X amount of this one. And 
not to throw any shade in, uh, you know, some, we have some friends at on three, but people make fun of that NIL valuation. Yeah. I, like, how do we come up with these random numbers? And it's kind of just like funny money. The team is worth whatever someone wants to pay for it. And, uh, you know, not to throw shade. And Steph, Andrew, you guys following this kind of Brian Davis saga? You guys know who that is? He's Is he the other guy who is a DC He's the other guy that we're not, we're not exactly sure is real. Yeah, the $7 billion <laughs> commander's bid from someone who seemingly has just now resurfaced, I guess. Yeah, so I'll, I'll lay it up here. And Andrew, this is kind of to your point. Like, how much can these teams really get to? So there was there was about a month, I don't know, I want to say three, four month period where like the word was out that Snyder was trying to sell the team in, in some way shape or form waiting for bids to come in so i think tillman fertita you know uh, owner of the rockets he had a number that was like 5.6 you know and change uh you have josh harris who owns the 76ers he's a partial owner i think it's the steelers um guardians this guy comes in with a bid uh he's the head i think there's like 17 people uh andrew maybe you know this but there's a lot of magic johnson magic johnson's in it i think 17 people have pieces of this and they come out with a six billion dollar bid and everyone's like okay I guess it's all done, 5.6, 6.05. And then some random guy named Brian Davis, who was last known for trying to buy the Memphis Grizzlies, getting a loan from Scottie Pippen, getting sued by Scottie Pippen. This guy goes, I have $7 billion. I'll pay you $1 billion now, $6 billion later, and I'll indemnify you. Bing, bang, boom. Don't we have a deal? Like, with, this is just funny money. It's just monopoly money. Maybe it's some like Saudi that's just like under the name Brian Davis and they're just trying to get into the NFL now or something like that. I I did see something about people saying that he was tied to the Middle East, which is interesting. I mean, who knows if that's actually true, but it's an interesting thought, especially with all the Lyft stuff going on. Yeah, it, there's it's friend of a friend of the show, AJ Perez, has an article up now on front office sports about uh, ties to the Middle East, which, you know, at the end of the day, I guess I guess we talk about it from a strategic standpoint. This concept of indemnification, I got a lot of calls on it today from the from the D.C. market. Like what exactly like Snyder keeps wanting indemnification if Brian Davis Again, not really sure if this is a real thing, but seven billion plus indemnification. If it's the right owner, yeah, of course, you know, Snyder would would kind of favor that. Obviously, it's a billion dollars more. And the indemnification piece is interesting. Steph, you um you're kind of our contractual person here. You want to give people kind of the what what indemnification is? Yeah. I mean, I was about to say that this is something that we should definitely get into just because Brian Davis, it's important to note, is is seemingly agreeing to completely identify him from what it sounds like any and all possible liabilities. We'll get into that in a little bit. But then the Josh Harris-led group is only agreeing to partly indemnify Snyder. So, you know, we don't really know what exactly he is going to agree to indemnify him from. It could be breach of contract. It could be negligence. It could be gross negligence. It could be, you know, anything related to sexual harassment. It could be the NFL's investigation. So at this time, we don't really know if the indemnification that Josh Harris is offering Snyder is even, you know, worth it. I mean, it sounds like he is okay with it since he, you know, the bid was sent to the NFL. But who knows if this is also part of the negotiation process on the indemnification because, you know, does the NFL want Josh Harris to be able to indemnify Snyder from any sort of liability that might come from the Wilkinson investigation? You know, that would be might be a bad PR look for them. So there's all sorts of risk that kind of has to be weighed when you're negotiating an indemnification clause. And it's it's a highly negotiated clause of a contract for sure. And this is no exception. 
So, Andrew, there's an hypothetical for you. Um, let's say you're Dan Snyder. You sell the team for $6 billion. We'll, we'll get into this indemnification. Now. We'll see if we can apply it here. You sell the team for $6 billion. What are you going to do? What's the first thing you do? It's a great question. He did buy it for $800 million in 1999 or something. So what is that? Like, sell for $6 billion. It's a great return. I mean, for me, first thing I'm doing is I'm buying an island. That's the first thing I'm doing. And then going to the island, you're taking the yacht to the island, you're getting out and you're you're shutting off from reality. I'm taking a year off and going, finding myself. And then I'm going, I'm going to be bored by that point. Okay, what is the next business I can build? What is the next thing I can do? So I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't see how people just like make that much money and then retire or just like, I feel like you could sell for a year or do whatever, you'll get bored. So why I bring it up, and I, and I think everyone's answer is going to be something along those lines. Take some time off, quit your job, X, Y, Z. So why Dan Snyder wants indemnification is important. And when you see these indemnification clauses, they're all going to be written separately, right? But there, there's kind of this concept of a hold harmless and the duty to defend. There's different components of an indemnification clause. So what Dan Snyder wants, he wants to be able to leave the organization, wipe his hands with it, and cut the cord and he's gone. And that it's that all of the baggage that he's left behind are gonna be the problem of the new owner. So the new owner is gonna have a duty to defend. The new owner is gonna to have to hold Snyder harmless from any further litigation. Somebody um, was asking me like, does that mean that, you know, if the Mary Jo White report comes out and they find Snyder $10 million that the new owner is gonna to have to take care of it? I'm like, yeah, essentially that's what it would mean. But I'm like, Snyder probably, right? Yeah, he's just sold the team for $6 billion in this scenario. Probably doesn't care about 10 billion. He cares about that tether. He wants to cut the cord from, again, from the Washington situation. And if you don't get indemnification, all those legal fees that are racking up, all those headaches, right, that you're brought into the team, or any bad act that the Washington commanders were sued for, whether they were behind under Dan's ownership, he's going to have to answer for. So that's the that's the tricky part. If there was, uh, Andrew, who's the backup guy, the, the Canadian guy, Stephen A., what's his name, Dapalapos? He's got some crazy... Uh, actually, uh... Apostolopoulos. Try wait. You correct me, Steph, but say it. <laughs> Apostolopoulos. Okay. You you said it much better than I could. So th there's a story that this guy, you know, he's kind of in the running. Um, I don't think he has 17 like quasi billionaires with him in Magic Johnson, but that he, you know, there's a world where he might want to offer indemnification. So let's say he offers 5.9 plus the indemnification. Maybe that's the sweetener. Maybe that's it. Uh, Andrew, I'll, I'll, that's the hypothetical. I put you in the shoes. So let's say, I mean, what would you rather take? Would you rather take $6 billion and have to deal with all this? Or you take like a hypothetical, like a 5.8, you lose $200 million, but like you get the indemnification. Uh, let, let's say you're our, you're our billionaire here. What do you think? Wait, how much is the indemnification really worth? I don't know. I mean, it's a lot either. Like you're good either way, honestly. You know, so it's like, I, it's just like chump change at that point to... Uh... To him, I would say I'm I'm in agreement too. I'm not I'm not uh, you know unless somebody comes in with more money, I I don't think that a low a lesser bid with indemnification is going to do it. So I I, don't, I certainly don't buy that. Okay, uh, Steph, are you going to be back to being a Washington Commanders fan after this is all said and done? Steph, Steph used to be a Commanders fan and then she gave up on them because of Snyder, but <laughs> now you're back. Dan, when am I gonna? When are we gonna get it through your head? Never been a Commanders fan. Used to drive so, by Dan Snyder's house. You you told me that you're. We said it on a podcast. We have evidence of this. Yes, when I was like seven, and like my parents were like, "Oh, you want to go drive by like the Redskins' house? Here's me like loving sports. Like, okay, yeah, let's go drive by this NFL owner's house, not knowing." everything that now we know he's he's done or is accused to have done i mean you got a you got a yellow shirt on that might be a commander shirt right now 
No, this is actually Summer League shirt, NBA Summer okay. League. Wow. I thought that was a big bird shirt. Oh, NBA. No, not Commanders. But I do think this entire thing is very interesting just because or do you think that Dan Snyder's team is kind of looking at past NFL monetary punishments here? And do you think there may be perhaps like a limitation of liability tied in here as well? Like everyone's talking about the indemnification, but the reality is we don't know what else could be in the contract and how that might affect the indemnification. I don't know. I think the indemnification is kind of a red herring. I think Snyder's just trying to get the best terms on the way out. What what I am curious for, so somebody asked me, and I think it's a really fair question, like what what is the logic? Like, let's say Snyder wants to balk and he wants to like, you know, say I'm pulling the six million off the table. I want more. I'll, I'll give this something we've talked about in the show a, a good amount. Um, right now, the NFL, right? The NFL is not a public entity. They, uh, you know, nobody can give them a Freedom of Information Act. Nobody can really look under the hood of the NFL, you know, unless even even really like coaches, you know, all stuff. It's it's all subject to this kind of mandatory arbitration. We don't really hear what goes on under the hood. Now, I take that. And now we put ourselves in the Mary Jo White situation. The NFL for the last year has been commissioning a report by someone by the name of Mary Jo White, an attorney, to look into everything associated with the Washington commanders, Dan Snyder, and it's dating back to sexual assault, cooking the books. It's everything. This is the do-over report. After the Beth Wilkinson report wasn't done, you know, it was like an oral report. We didn't have anything in writing. The NFL has told us we have a written report coming from Mary Jo White. And I think this has been a lot of this impetus. People maybe we will call Jim Mercy at, at uh, the owners meetings in October said once the Mary Jo White reports out, like then we'll be able to do something. So everyone's talking about this report. Andrew, again, uh, uh, again, you're, you're, you'll be our, your, our student for the class. Like, I mean, this report's, I think, done. I don't know what else needs to be done with it. I, I heard a couple of weeks ago that was in the final stages. Now, now I haven't heard anything from it. If that report was to be released between now and I think the date is, I think it's in May 22nd or 25th. That's when the owners would actually have to approve of Josh Harris, this new owner. Now, if the Mary Jo White report's a bombshell and it's released between now and May 25th, don't, don't you think that would like maybe disrupt and, and threaten the sale? in some way shape or form 100 percent. so like uh, do, we, do we all feel pretty confident the report's not going to come out in the next month that's probably a fair guess okay yes go down this rabbit hole here now i own the team i'm josh harris i'm the billionaire now sorry andrew i've taken over the billion <laughs> like, like, and i want the team i want to i want a clean slate like i want the dance center era in, in the past why would i want the report to be put out at that point why would dance that who in the nfl would want this report to come out it did its goal the threat of this report Got Dan Snyder out of the league. It, it, it sucked him out. Again, I might be wrong on this, but if we're, if we're uh, doing some betting odds over here, I think the fact that this that this report's not going to be released, some people, you know, people think it's like, oh, it's definitely going to come out. The NFL promised it. Put the odds at like minus 500. I'm like, no, no, no. Put this at like minus 110. Your little like your everyday spread action. This is a 50-50. I, I'm not convinced that this report's coming out. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you on that point. And it also almost like begs the question of whether is this going to affect her report? Is the indemnification clause and the NFL knowing what it is and how much legal liability, you know, the new owners that are trying to transform this franchise into something good for the NFL when it has, you know, been the cause of so much bad PR over the past few years. I'm that's one of the my concerns at least is, you know, is this now going to affect potentially what punishment Mary Jo White ultimately hands over to Snyder and the commanders. We we will certainly keep a keep a tab on that one. So I don't know. I, I find this one fascinating. We're close. We're close. 
Uh, Steph, for your Washington Commanders, your hometown team, the team you rooted for since you were a seven-year-old and you drove by your house and you fell in love with the apple trees. I'm, I'm wishing the all the trees that he cut down. They deserve they deserve better, but you know, it is what it is. Okay, let us move over to the world of NIL. Andrew, I see you posting about it a lot. I see, uh, and then we should give a, a quick shout out. I know you've just come up with. Yeah, I think you have a, a directory now for 150 agents. Did I see this? So this yesterday? Yeah, yeah. I put it on LinkedIn, just basically rounded up all the sports agencies. So obviously a bunch of pro ones too. So you got the big behemoths like CAA and WME and all them, but also a bunch in the college space that most people haven't really heard of. So I'll keep adding to that. I have a bunch I have to still go add in. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like 155 right now or something like that. Honestly, I, I just, I love, uh, you know, I love that we have another resource in the space. It's very helpful. Now I bring it up. Bring it up here uh, in the NIL space. We got a couple different players here. We have the agents, right? We have uh, the boosters, the uh, nutritional boosters. We have the collectives. And now we're entering a new phase, uh, the phase where the schools can kind of help find deals. So, Andrew, I'll, I'll let you kind of kick it off. I know we were talking a little bit offline. This concept of the schools being involved, are we seeing it in certain states? Do you view this as a competitive advantage for some schools? Yeah, I mean, basically every school wants the state to allow them to facilitate deals. It just makes it easier. And I'm actually putting out an article, so it'll be on April 19th. So I don't know when this is going to come out. But anyway, it talks a lot about this and essentially it breaks down the pillars of the schools like everything's consolidating the collectives are trying to like become one so some schools like usd has four nil collectives like that makes no sense how do you know who to work with all this stuff and then also the donor money is kind of drying up like the booster money because they're like wait i just paid you a million dollars last year and you guys went and burn it on four recruits and we still had a losing football season or basketball season or whatever so now it's kind of like they need this in-house and they need to create media departments and they need to start bringing the brands in and the brands need to start like paying the schools. So they're trying to figure out how can we circulate money and get these players paid? Uh, so that's kind of where the space is all headed right now. But it's all kind of like consolidating right now as, as we're talking. Well, it's, it's funny you say consolidation. It's like USC has four collectives. I think um, I think I saw maybe it was Texas that like they, they went from like five to one. So, you know, th there's a world where like if you're not doing it the right way, like there, there can't be five collectives. That doesn't make any sense, especially in the world where the NCAA is allowing the school to pick a collector for fundraising purpose and say, hey, give money to this collective. So, you know, those five, maybe they have some money in the books. They have some leftover donor money. They all consolidating for, for one sake. I, I certainly get that. I think it's a matter of time on USC. Now, you said something really interesting, and I guess, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about Jaden Rashada and that situation, right? You you pledged $13 million to the number seven ranked quarterback. Andrew, actually, this this is probably a good good scenario. Are you, are you an NBA guy? I gather from your post you're an NBA guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch it every night, but, you know, I follow along and, and definitely the playoffs and everything, yeah. There are certain years in the NBA, and, and Steph's wearing a summer league shirt, so I'm guessing you're an NBA <laughs> person. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> the, the summer league yellow looks a lot like the big bird yellow. I'm like, I feel pretty confident about this. It's a very it bright. Does. Yeah, it is. It does. So th there are certain, you know, for people that are kind of like sports historians, when in basketball, at least some every every couple of years, the cap goes up a lot. And then to the new CBA and Andrew, we can talk about this, you know, mm -hmm. for, for at some point. They're trying to kind of slowly bake in cap raises. So it's not going to like shoot up one year. When it shoots up, you have guys, random guys like, Alan Crabb or like random basketball players making a ton of money. No one understands how it makes sense. Like make another, like whatever it is. But for our NIL purposes, we had this kind of gold rush to the space. A lot of money being thrown around like early on for guys like Jaden Rashada, which if he becomes a fantastic pro, all, all power to him. 
but a seventh ranked quarterback in the country getting 13 million dollars just seems odd it just seems seems off so yeah I, I think we're gonna have a readjustment of the space and and also right keep in mind like the schools and these collectives they're kind of competing for the same dollars anybody that was donating money to the school like that's a potential you know donor money for the collective so you know it's not like we we created more donor money out of thin air maybe it was novel at the beginning like be donating money, but I'm not so sure it's going to exist. So Steph, Andrew, I'll, I'll give it to you. What, what do we think the, the future is here of like the space? Do we continue to see NIL numbers go up? Are they going to plateau? Um, Andrew, I, I see all your, your, your fun, your, all these great graphics, but um, I, I, I leave it yeah, no, and it's funny you brought up Florida because they actually consolidated from three to one this past week. Gator Guard and uh, Gator Collective formed Florida Victorious or something. So that one's funny. But also we talk about 13 million. A lot of these guys weren't and some girls, they weren't even getting paid. Like at Indiana, they had a ton of problems with their basketball players where they're expecting to get a million dollars and like, yo, where's my other 900,000? It's never coming because there's no one to enforce it. There's no real, you know, it's all this back behind doors. There's no legislation. There's no NCA oversight. There's no school oversight. So they want to bring in house. And interestingly, the SEC a lot of those schools are creating these in-house NIL departments and uh, Altius Sports Partners, which I had Casey Schwabi's CEO on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He's they're all their whole company is former like NFL PA, MLB PA, NBA PA. And they're taking the same models and applying it now to college sports and building these like NIL departments, which is really just going to be like the collectives formed into it. But they're trying to like figure out like how to keep it as much in-house as possible. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But that's definitely where it's headed. And then unionization as well. There are a uh, lot of rumblings about trying to put that stuff together as well, which is there. Some of the people are worried about who's trying to set it up and run it, but we'll see. I, I guess let's let's hold you for a second. I mean, so we talked about collectives. We talked about you know actually actually I did have one one note. Andrew, are you going to like are you going to get a business degree or a law degree? Anything in the future for you? I don't know. Chat GPT is like my my education system. <laughs> that's, that's what's happening to you. Don't don't tell your professors that the extent you do go there. But um, no, but interesting. One point on that: a lot of NIL deals with AI companies right now. It's pretty interesting. We we may or may not know the Cactus AI people. They might be in our our sports law universe. We'll save we'll save it for offline. Steph, you're giving me a face. I'll tell you offline. Um, so <laughs> Off the well, yeah. Well, well, I won't I won't blow up anybody's spots. So. There's going to be a world like right now, why I bring up about MBAs and JDs in law school right now. And like, you know, imagine colleges have the same thing, but it's more more graduate schools. When you graduate from an institution, part of their score in terms of these like different rankings they do are like the the grad, the employment rate at graduation. Right. How well a school is helping get you set up for that next level of your career. So I went to Fordham, Steph went to New York Law School, like the Career Services Center are, you know, graded at least in part about how well their graduates are doing in, in terms of getting jobs. If I envision a world and you can, Andrew, you could steal this and make a really fun graphic out of it. I envision a world where schools are going to be graded on how well at some point in time, how well they get deals for their for their kids. You know, it's one thing like maybe like I, I have two little girls, like maybe I don't really want them dealing with agents. Maybe I don't think that's necessary. Maybe I don't want them to go through the collectives. You know, maybe maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But you know, it'd be great. The school that it's been in the business of helping athletes for 100 years if those are the ones they know the most about their athletes, they know the most about their donors, they know the most about like brand synergies. If that's the one, right? Just like we didn't think it made sense that college athletes and college athletes alone were the only ones that could make money, at least as up until certain state laws just passed, like the school and only the school, that's the only one that can't help in this situation. Um, so I see certainly a changing of the guard. I'm so into that. I'm so into the rankings that are like, these schools are, are you know, contributed to these particular deals. Like I'm, 
I'm ready for it. Like, I don't know why we're not doing it already. See a lot of cool entrepreneurs come out of it too. Cause it's like a different education. Like there's even people now trying to build in different curriculums, like uh, basically, I don't know, sort of semi off business classes, but only for athletes. And then they're trying to build venture arms into it and all this stuff. And they're saying, these kids, they're the only way to really teach them is use all this NIL. And now instead of just having an academic advisor, now they have an NIL advisor and they're going to teach them about marketing, finance, business, doing deals, talking to people, interviews. It's like, you're going to create actually even better than, I mean, these kids weren't really going to school, but now when you go, Hey, you can make money. Now they're like, Oh, you know, tell me about it. I'm here. I'll listen. I'm all for it. So, well, let, let's, let's stick with making money for a second. I, I referenced it. I, again, we want to talk about the NBA and, and kind of interesting partnerships. Um, so we talked about the, you know, the new CBA being agreed to. Usually when we talk about CBAs, we're, we're usually talking about it on the, on the eve of a labor, you know, the, the labor strife of some way, shape or form. So the NBA gets their deal done, kind of no, nobody's even talking about it. And all of a sudden the NBA gets a deal done. Andrew, when does it extend to? It's like until 2029, we have labor peace in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know you mentioned one of the highlights often. What, any, any interesting takeaways from uh, the NBA CBA passage? Yeah, basically cutting out two things uh, that I found interesting. Cannabis, cutting out any testing really for that. And now players can invest in it and, uh, you know, be more involved around that. And then also number two, which I think is super interesting. They can actually invest into teams um, themselves. So like in theory, LeBron James could own an expansion team or part of another team, which I kind of find funny. I, I don't love that idea, but uh We'll see. I mean, there's definitely some players. I mean, Kevin Durant, LeBron, Steph that that have the ability to do that. Yeah, that's I was looking at that as well. And I think that's probably the most interesting aspect of the new CBA, just because it's like if you're playing for one team, shouldn't you be 100 percent dedicated to that team? And now you're kind of going to be rooting for this team because now you have invested into it. So it's almost like you're going to be battling two different sides and and which one is going to win here, the championship for the team that you play for or the championship for the team that you're invested in, which is interesting. But another aspect more so in terms of like the playing aspect, I was really fascinated by the fact that now they have the game minimum for MVP, Mm MVP awards, the 65 game threshold. I mean, I feel like to some extent, like once you get one defense player of the year award, I don't know how much the ones that come after it or the ones that might come after it matter too much. So I'm sure some of these players who might not be meeting that threshold probably don't care as much as others that maybe don't have an MVP award yet. But still, I thought that was another interesting aspect of of the CBA for sure. Well, this just worked out perfectly. So I want to talk about John Moran. Um, so John Moran, we've talked about him a lot in this podcast. Uh, John Moran is back, like playing decently well. We'll see if they survive the first round. Um, but uh, John Morant ends the year with 61 games played. Now, uh, Andrew, do did they give you a ballot yet for the All NBA team? Are you at that level yet, or not quite? No. Nah. you you're laughing. Uh, you're not not that far away. Uh, no. I, do you do you play That's basketball? Close. I feel like you're a tall guy. You look like you're a tall guy. You look like wait, you might be Dan, tall. come on. He played in college. Did I know that? Maybe I was asking him a rhetorical question, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played here and there a little bit. You're not that far away. You're not that far away from immediate credentials. So, I'm, well, we, we just for those that haven't been following the whole John Moran saga, you know, obviously he gets in trouble for, for a number of different reasons. John Moran ends up playing 61 games this year, not necessarily because he was hurt. I think he was maybe hurt for, for a period of time. Um, but John Moran, this kind of multitude of issues. He kind of has to stay away. He goes to counseling. He 
posed with the gun on Instagram for a minute. So we we talked about an incident that occurred, uh, alleged incident, alleged incident where John Morant was, uh, I guess, invited a 17 year old boy, you know, teenage boy, kind of like a, a local basketball player star in the area to play pickup. And the story goes, again, reports, rumors, and you end up that, you know, the ball that I think this kid threw a ball at John Morant's face and he gave him like kind of a hard check. And then Morant, you know, maybe flashed a gun at him and then punched him like MMA style. I think the number was like, you know, over over 10 times him and a friend. Steph, I, I know you had this. What was the latest? Is Morant now like threatening to sue the guy because Morant's not going to make the, the All-NBA team? Is that the latest? Well, I feel like we talked about this just separately. Again, the boy alleges, you know, he alleged, I think he files a police report. I'm not exactly sure where where there is in, in that stage of litigation. But what we hear from, you know, these the NBA Central, I think uh, Memphis News has this report that Morant files a claim against this, uh, this you know, teenager, Memphis basketball player. And he alleges that the teenager's, teenager's boy and alleges that this teenage boy's lies could cost him a Supermax contract. So, um, Andrew, let's see if you guys know this. Steph, I, you used to be a big basketball person once upon a time. There's a you're, – you're giving me a look. You're a baseball person now. Well, I'm, 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 I'm all sports. No, all, you- all sports all the time. So there's – I think it is – I think this is what it is. But um, I think if you make two in the three – in the year before you go into free agency, if you have made the All-NBA team, I think two of the last three years or like the year right before free agency, you're eligible for this super max contract. So Morant was standing to make the uh, All-NBA team. And then uh, he misses a lot of time. We're talking about missed games. He's 61 games this year. He missed uh, obviously 20 games. Part of that. Part of that emphasis on part of that was because of, you know, this maybe this one incident, a couple incidents. So here's the quote, quote, getting hit in the face with a ball with a basketball hurts for a professional point guard like Mr. Morant. An injury to the eyes or nose could be a career ender before counter defendant lied. And before he or someone else leaked his lies to the media, Mr. Morant was a strong prospect for one of the six all NBA guard spots. That selection would personally significant for Morant because it would trigger a supermax clause and his contract extension worth millions of dollars. Uh, that millions is like, I, I don't know, I think that last year the contract is like $60 million for one year. It's a ton of money. And Andrew, how much is it? I, you're nodding. It's like, got to be. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's like 10, 15 million more almost than just a regular, you know, high level contract. It's crazy. So Morant is alleging that this guy making up a lie about being punched in the face, all this cost Morant a spot on the all NBA team. Does anybody, is anybody buying that? No, mostly because like, I mean, slander, especially like we've talked about it on the podcast before, like Morant would be considered a public figure. So you have that actual malice element thrown into it. Yeah, he's suing for slander. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I, I don't oh. even think we need to get to actual malice. Yes, 100%. Like the, 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 Morant has no case on, on slander. I think where there's the interesting argument if we were doing this for like a law school exam essay is like the causation element. Like- Let's let's say that. Well, right. What else? What else has right contributed like, to that? Did, it's not did, just this. Did the kid put a gun in John Moran's hand? Like turn on Instagram Live and like say like, "Hey, hit it!" Like no, like John Moran did a lot of stuff. All these the videos and the uh, adult entertainment establishment. Like you know, this this kid was one piece of the pie. The story about Moran is not that it was like 
he did one thing. It's that he did like six things, right? I think there was like the story with the like the finish line shoe store with the with the family, and there was like a fight with the at the sisters like volleyball game or something. It was like five or six or seven incidents all compiling. The fact that Morant would make this argument that like, hey, this and this thing alone is what cost me the supermax contract. Like that wasn't even the first, like, I don't know. I I didn't think that like Morant like you know, Morant didn't get suspended for giving getting into a fight in a pickup game. He got he got suspended because he flashed a gun on an Instagram live. Like one of these two things is not like the other. Like a lot of fights in pickup games, not a lot of like pro athletes that are flashing guns on the Instagram live. Like not something you see every day. Yeah, it's going to be very very hard for his lawyers to prove that the causation element for sure. Because like you said, there's been so many other instances that you can't really draw a straight line and pinpoint exactly to specifically just this one instance. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with a guy that plays less than 65 games not being eligible for it. But um, I, I also thought a little, a little bit odd that Morant files that now. Like, you file that in the middle of the playoffs. Like, you know, you get a year, generally, a year from the date of, of the defamatory act to um, to file defamation, depending on your state. Like, why why file that in the middle of the NBA playoffs? Like, that seems, seems odd. Well, it's funny you say that because it actually was just announced. It might have been today. Very, very recently that um, that his lawyers, not Morant's lawyers, but the 18-year-old who sued him, basically because that these clans are, are barred by the statute of limitations. In Texas, I guess it's six months is the statute of limitations. Or Tennessee, I'm sorry. In Tennessee, it's six months. So his lawyers are arguing, you know, Motion to dismiss the countersuit in part wow. because Morant's allegations of slander needed to be made within six months. Apologies. Wow. Statement. Take that back. It wasn't. It wasn't too soon. It was too late. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Crazy. Okay. Uh, I got. I got one more for you, Andrew. You want to hang out with us for a minute? I got a question for you. This is a. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm enjoying this. this. Is like a class. I'm. I'm. I like learning. You guys are. It's fun. I'm going to quote you on that. You like learning. Um, yeah. I, I learn learning a lot is your, fun. I learn a lot from you. I'm not, I'm not just saying this. You, you're oh, 100%. You're a really good follower, Andrew. You want to tell people where, where everyone can find you before before I give you my last question? Sure. Yeah. Just add Andrew Peckesh and everything. And then if you go there, you can find everything else. Um. So let me give you this one. We'll, we'll test your sports business acumen. Um, listen, I didn't come up with this research in my, my uh, Fordham Law School class. I asked students to do a presentation and they're pitching to a room about something. So I said, we're going to, we'll find a scenario and I want to work on your kind of like oral advocacy skills, but also your present, your present, like your presenting skills, your eye contact and how you read a room and all this other stuff. So one of my students, if they're listening to us, it's fine. I'm not going to chat them out by name or anything, but they did a pitch on, you know, why the NBA should expand. And I think everyone's of the, of the thought process, the NBA will expand just a matter of when it happens, not if it happens. So when you talk about expansion, people talk about, okay, Las Vegas should get a team, like the Golden Knights doing so well, like let's bring back the Seattle Supersonics one and two. Uh, this student of mine gave a very persuasive presentation that the number one market should not be either of those two teams. Do you have any, uh, a- Andrew, I- idea? When I- I'm convinced that this is the correct move. Re- you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Mexico City? I was going to, I was literally going to say that. Yeah, the population's insane there. It's, something it's a wild number and it's really tight like knit and there's a ton of fans there yeah i actually have some friends that live in mexico city and they're like we really want an nba team you know that the that mexico is the fourth largest nba market this is according to one of my students so reportedly 
Yeah, well, they've played some preseason games down there, and they've been like basically sold out. So I think that's a good indicator as well. I, I mean, I'd rather that. They better not go to London or do some craziness like that. I know the NFL has talked about that. I am so for, like, I was like, you know, we're doing a little bit of like, uh, you know, Socratic method. And I'm like, well, you know, Seattle's an established market. Las Vegas is a great market. It's going on other sports. Like, why, like, why, why do you think Mexico City is the top of, of, of any other option for expansion? And he said, well, imagine getting the Seattle market. Like, we know what that looks like. Imagine getting the Vegas market. Like, we know what that looks like. Imagine getting the entire country of Mexico. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. We're doing it. We're going to New We're going to Mexico City. Well, the problem, the only problem though is it's really far. I didn't realize this. Mexico City is like at the bottom of Mexico. So that'd be really tough travel for that team. I'm all for it. I go to a game down there. I am 100% in. Andrew, you've been great. Um, we, we told you we'd keep you uh, keep you about 45 minutes. And uh, you definitely don't want to talk Vanderpump Rules with us. So pleasure having you. You were excellent. Tell people about your newsletter. Tell people everywhere where they can find you. Your sub stack, all the good stuff. For sure. Appreciate it, Dan. Stuff. It's been fun. Thanks for having me on. But Andrew Peckish on everything. And then profluence.com is kind of newsletter, all the resources, the sports agency list we talked about, more info. And feel free. Like I said, I'll I'll answer anyone. It's my blessing and my curse. I don't know how long I'll last. Hopefully as long as possible. Right. He, he asked for it. He asked for it. Asked for so it. everyone listening, give him what he wants. I did ask for it. And then uh, you guys will have to tell me about Cactus AI too at some point. I'm interested to hear more. Offline. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Thanks, Andrew. That was Andrew Petcash. You can find Andrew on social media at Andrew Petcash, P-E-T-C-A-S-H. I think if he's going to do sports business, he should just drop the pet. He should just be Andrew Cash. That would be that'd be. <laughs> Andrew Cash. That would be a good, I don't know, a good stage name too. At, at some good stage name. Um, listen, actually, no, I'm not even going to make that joke. When I have a last name like Lust, I have to be very careful on any joke that I make. So, okay, moving on. No more jokes about Lust. Okay. By the the way, Lust and Cash Show. Lust and Cash Show. That does not, that sounds like an establishment that John Morant would be attending. I can't say. <laughs> we are going to call this a uh, random segment of Guess What's Happening Next. Are you ready for this stuff? I just made up a segment. I'm ready. Okay, so interesting report, and I think Mike and, and Taryn covered this a little bit last week, but uh, we've had some time to digest the story, see a little bit of the fallout. Steph, did you see what happened over um, with uh, Syracuse booster Adam Weitzman? Oh, yeah. Adam Weitzman, arguably, he's like the biggest supporter of Syracuse athletics, basically. And we heard Mike in the last podcast episode. He was who Mike went to Syracuse, so he knows that he was well-known on campus, he was known to always bring celebrities to Syracuse athletic events. I mean, we've seen tons and tons of, of photos of celebrities sitting next to him at the games. He has a ton of connections. He can obviously bring in a ton of publicity to the programs, and, and he has. But he is no longer providing NIL deals to any Syracuse athletes, and he will not be bringing any more celebrities to athletic events. Uh, apparently, he cited uh, Chancellor Kent. I'm going to butcher his last name. The chancellor, the chancellor, the chancellor as the reason for stepping away. And he got the impression that the chancellor didn't want him involved in supporting athletics and didn't like the high profile nature of the celebrities coming to the games. So, I mean, I guess if you he said it best, like if the boss doesn't want you there, then, you know, he's just going to not be there because he he does understand. He obviously wants the best for, for the students, but I don't know. Dan, what do you think about this? Because if this were me, I would be welcoming 
Adam Weitzman to my campus. It's publicity at the wazoo. So the name of this game show that I just created that didn't exist before this is what's what do I say? What's what's gonna happen? What's happening next? What's happening next? Okay. So whatever, whatever the goal. I, I want to try to figure out and get to the bottom of this because it is uh, I want to say unheard of. I've never I've never heard of a someone that's donating seven figures to a university every year. And I think Weitzman was pretty public that he wants to donate, I think, two million dollars between the football and basketball program. Like a lot of money. You don't just hear um, someone just disappear from that unless something's going on. So, you know, we've said on the show, and again, I don't root for any program's downfall in any way, shape, or form. I love college sports. There's the only program I hate in all of college sports is Creighton because I'm a Nebraska guy and we hate Creighton. But like, other than Creighton, you know, like I, I find this to be a little bit odd. We've said on the program that we thought that the three schools that were under investigation because they were doing things very loudly in an unregulated market it's probably, right, some combination of Miami, Florida, and Syracuse. That's a little bit of the Cavender situation, a little bit of the Rashada situation, and a little bit of the Weitzman situation. So it doesn't shock me, assuming that this report's true. It's not a report. Weitzman feels that the, that the school doesn't want him, the chancellor doesn't want him there. It's not that shocking to me. Like, if we're in this unregulated market that is NIL, and you have someone, like a booster, that the school doesn't really control. They can't control this person. And the school might be, and this individual might be acting in a way that might get the school in trouble, right? I, I know there's been a lot of articles written about how White, Weitzman's doing seems to be, at best, kind of in the gray area of NIL. And if you have someone that you can't control, that's throwing around money, making a lot of noise in this unregulated market, I, I can almost, listen, I don't know this to be, to be a fact, but like, I'd be very surprised if the NC didn't knock on Syracuse's door and just just to do a little investigation, a little bit of peeking under the hood, see what's going on under there. And that's what's that that attitude that Whitesman had. Again, it's good for Whitesman. He's paying athletes. Do you need to like scream from the mountaintops that you're you're like, you know, that you're, you know, potentially, again, hypothetically, you know, the flying high school kids to the school, bringing celebrities to game? That's fine to be loud and doing it. But maybe not the most advisable thing to do in this space. We're still kind of feeling out like what you can and can't do. So anybody, again, we said on the show a couple of times, but anyone that was thinking like, hey, we're it's 2023. We're good. There's no retroactive punishment. Like that's not the case. So again, I play the show, What Happens Next? I think this decision by Weitzman is maybe an inclination that the NCAA has already, will be soon. Um, or, or you know, is currently like peeking under the hood of Syracuse, and maybe that's what you do if you're the chancellor. A little bit of damage control, you you know, try to distance yourself from the guy causing all the noise. What do you, what do you think about that hypothesis? Yeah, no, I, I think you're definitely on to something there in terms of the fact that the Syracuse chancellor basically, I don't know, forced him out in some ways, and you can see that the fans like. Weitzman because he's bringing these celebrities around it's helping them sell more tickets I think Mike said that some of the celebrities were like tweeting out that they were going to be at the game which then caused ticket sales or something like that to go up Probably. so I, I mean I wouldn't be surprised like you said if if the NCAA maybe clued him in a little bit and said hey you know, we don't know what's going on. Maybe we don't even want to know what's going on, but you just got to get this guy out. And, you know, if it's legal to do whatever he may or may not have been doing when we actually implement, you know, real laws for schools to follow, then feel free, invite him back. But for now, maybe they just gave him a little nudge and a pat on the back and said, all right, you do this and, and you're going to be okay. Let's see where this guy Weitzman lands. Uh, let's see if he ends up in another New York school. And we'll, we'll see 
it's the scenario, but you know, I don't, I don't, again, we're not, we're not rooting for any side of the equation, but some schools can be risk averse. And I think a lot of people were like pro John Ruiz until John Ruiz got Miami in trouble. And then there were much more, a lot more anti Ruiz people. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to fault Syracuse at all. I, I, I'm sensing that there was a reason for this beyond just like, we hate money. We don't want to give our athletes. And I know like that doesn't make any sense. So Syracuse is like a fantastic institution, you know, for the building, you know, Bayheim era obviously is, is now, you know, over, but like they built an incredible program, like in the middle of nowhere, New York, like I'm from New York, like, you know, you don't, you don't have people taking day trips from New York city to Syracuse yet. They built an incredibly powerful program up there, you know, just with the roots of, of basketball and a really good, you know, course. So I'm, I'm certainly not going to say like, this makes no sense. Syracuse must hate NIL. Like, no, there's probably some larger, larger purpose to this. So that was what happens next. There's a good game show, right, Steph? Yeah, it's good. All right. What's happening? What's the next story and what's happening next? What's okay. next and what's happening next? Let's talk about another investigation. This one's definitely not happening, but I'm like so into this. So we're a little bit dated. You know, sometimes we, we record pretty topical, but then other times, you know, work's busy we try to get other people on to record an episode stephanie when's your next episode with emily by the way you guys ready to go she did text me actually uh earlier we may or may not be uh trying to plan another nyc meetup that nope you're distracting from the point we are we're trying to get you guys recording another episode not planning a meetup all right well we can do both okay um when next episode will be sooner rather than later when is this meetup you guys are planning I don't know. We we heard from sources. Shout out uh, Andrea Garcia. Um, you know that there may or may not be a good time after finals or right before law school finals. Sorry, I think, I, I'm thinking maybe. I think I think June is is a good yeah. estimate. Okay, yeah. so if you're listening, if you're listening to this now and you're potentially interested in coming to a conic potential meetup, we had a meetup last year in New York City. It was a great time surprisingly like i never know if people are gonna show up for this stuff and they're like we had a good turnout we had a yeah shout yeah. out uh who was it that flew uh dennis lopez from tampa yeah so listen we meet we meet all these people flying in with the themis crew flying free drinks here's what we won't do and listen i give a shout out to sla up and down i like sla they've they've uh you know they're they're a good establishment we have a lot of friends there so you have a uh, my promise scouts honor here uh with all due respect to the sla conduct detrimental we do not charge you do not charge you to attend the networking event I'm pretty sure our friends at Themis will cover the bar tab like they did last year. We're going to have a good time. Steph, do we want to do that lobster boat cruise? Is that is that in the cards? Has anybody shot oh, that? That could be in the cards, too. Maybe, yeah, we should maybe put up, like, a poll or message us message us on our social. New, if, York, uh, New York City. You tell like us the if you idea. have a lobster allergy. That's all we're looking for. If you have a lobster allergy, tell us. Because then it wouldn't be smart for you to go on the lobster boat cruise. Okay, Steph, you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. Um, as someone, uh, you worked the 2016 Masters and Danny Willett won. I think you've, I think you've told me this. I worked the 2015, 16, and 17 Masters. That was Spieth, Willett. I don't know who did one in 2017, but doesn't matter. We had a, we had a listener request. Uh, somebody asked us to cover the Masters tree falling situation. So uh, I made the joke online. Tree falls, right? Looks like a little bit of force majeure. The winds are kind of whipping. So. That's not 100% accurate. That's not, it's not necessarily force majeure. So, Steph, once upon a time, you were a student at New York Law School. Can you give me a fact pattern whereby that master's tree that fell, it almost like decapitated a couple people, where that could result in some liability against uh, Augusta National? I have, I, I have one in mind. 
You mean one that I guess involves force majeure? No, that involves this tree. What what fact could I tell you about this tree that could result in in uh Oh, gee, I don't know. I was just trying to watch Jordan Spieth, my favorite golfer of all time, and I was standing right underneath that tree right next to the tree. And all of a sudden, boom, the tree falls on top of me, 500 pounds of weight from the branches okay. and the tree. I wasn't... And I get significantly injured. Hold on. I wasn't asking you to come up with a scenario where you got hit in the head by a tree. Well, you asked for a fact pattern. That would be the only fact pattern where a tree hits you and you can sue them. Keep, keep, do not cut this out of the show, Steph. You ready for this? Yeah. What if... It wasn't the wind that knocked that tree down. Let's say the wind was like a little bit of a baby wind. It was like a little bit of like a breeze. It wasn't that. It wasn't like these whipping tornado winds. And what if I told you that those trees, that I don't know this to be the case. Again, I'm inserting some facts here in hypothetical. What if I told you that on, on the Thursday of the Masters, some uh, patrons, they call them patrons in Augusta. They don't call them fans. Patrons got That's close to That tree looks like it's rotting. And they called up uh, the, the, the pro shop and they're like, hey, pro shop got a rotting tree over here and like, eh, don't worry about it. it's fine we're Augusta. we got the best trees in the world and on friday someone calls up augusta in the morning and they're like hey rotting tree over there so uh, obviously the, the tournament was kind of on and off with like rain delays and this and that but the wind wasn't like an insane level of wind and actually play had resumed by the time like this this tree fell the video so yeah i you know nobody's hurt so again to have a negligence action you actually have some type of physical manifestation of injuries um no one gets hurt thank god but there was a world where there could be some negligence, right? Negligence is the, the you know, this concept that you have to act and, and keep people reasonably safe and avoid them from kind of like reasonably foreseeable harms. If there was some way for you to have foreseen that this could happen and maybe this tree wasn't planted right, it was shifting, it was kind of leaning beforehand, different story. Now, if it's a perfectly good tree and it's like this really strong hundred year oak and a giant like tornado takes it out, like, yeah, that's force majeure. That's like out of your control. But yeah. rotten tree situation, Steph, in this hypothetical, do you want to still get hit in the head with the tree? Is that is that what you were wanting to do? Well, no, I, I would prefer not to. Um, that was kind of odd that you just went to like, yeah, here's a hypothetical. I just got crushed in the head by a tree. I think, honestly, maybe it's PTSD from so many fact patterns in law school. I don't know. I'm just wired that way. I'm just trying to come up with a good situation, a fun situation. But you kind of forgot something to mention here that I think is important to this whole situation is what do the master's tickets say? Did they waive any and all liability? Uh. And, and, you know, there could also be a contract interpretation where a court, if let's say they went to the court on this and it was about the interpretation of the indemnification and like limitation of liability clause, hypothetically, if those were on the on the tickets. Well, what if the court interpreted it as, okay, because they didn't specify that this includes any and all liability, whether foreseeable or not, mm. then who knows? Maybe the patrons would have some argument there where they say, all right, it was not specified. So clearly you can find some good case law and say, all right, it's not specified. So what was the intent? It was just for any foreseeable liability. See, when you go to a baseball game, back of the ticket, you got to go watch out for flying bats, flying balls, 
You go to Augusta, the ticket says, watch out for flying trees. That's it. You get hit with the tree. That's it. Yep. Bet you didn't have that on your bingo card for So, uh, you know, you get, hit with the, you get hit with the ball. You know, maybe you get like a black eye. You get hit with a bat, maybe broken arm. You get hit with the tree. You're falling flat on your face and you're, it's not good. I, I wasn't going to say that. And I don't think you would fall on your face. I think you might get like squished. Not good. Not yes. good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. I well, if we're, if we're calling it calling it like a, like a spade, like I don't think anyone. I don't think that would be. I don't think you could put that in the back of a ticket. I don't think that's reasonably foreseeable. Like bats and balls. Yeah. Like a tree falling on you. Like no. I don't. I don't think anyone would expect that. So if that's going to be in some way, shape, or form in the back of the ticket, it's got to be really conspicuous. But I, I. I don't. I don't think that would be enforceable. I. Yeah. I, I can't see that being enforceable. Um, no. I. I agree. I agree. Listen, we don't need guests. You and I should just do the show. You should come on the show more. Well, welcome back to Conduct Detrimental, Steph. Thank you. And what's what should the show be called? What's happening next? What's happening next? Terrible name of a show. Great show, Great name of a random segment in the middle of the show. Now, last segment of the show. This is the one I've been most excited for. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. So I'm I don't ne- know if the audience is ready. No, they're not. No, they're not. But people, yeah. are gonna, before you turn this off, we're going to talk... A really interesting legal hypothetical that involves breach of contract, television shows, lots of money being exchanged, maybe someone getting fired. Okay. Now, before you go away, this might be about a reality TV situation, but I found this to be so interesting and it kept coming up in conversations I was having with uh, friends over the weekend. And I convinced a couple people who are not reality TV people that there was something interesting here. Now, uh, Seth, you and I don't have that problem, correct? That is definitely correct. Now, I... I am not necessarily Vanderpump rules person, but I am married to someone that is. So listen, happy wife, happy life. We've got television on. Sometimes the game is on. Sometimes Vanderpump rules is on. So I know what's going on with Vanderpump. Okay. So here's, here's the hypothetical. It's not a hypothetical. This is allegedly reportedly. Here's, here's what we got without getting into all the, the drama, whatnot. There's a guy by the name of Tom. Now, the way that I, I uh, have been explaining it to people, I think this is a little bit, a little bit of an easier situation. Let us say, Okay, hold on. I heard this. I don't want to mess this one up. I actually heard it. I'm going to steal it from uh, Howie Mandel. Remember that friend scenario she gave? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, no, we're not going to do it. It's very, very dirty. But here's the point. This guy, this guy by the name of Tom Sandoval, he, uh, he's had a long-term relationship with this girl named Ariana. And they live together, not married. It's complicated. It doesn't really matter. Long, long relationship. This guy, allegedly, reportedly, whatever, uh, ch- cheats on Ariana with another girl named Raquel, okay, whose legal name is Rachel, but like story for another <laughs> side, side story. I now, know, agreed. It's a reality show. So it's based in part of people's lives. Some reality is going to be scripted, some is not. This, we don't get the impression is it's just somebody cheating on their significant other. Now, Steph, here's where, here's where things get a little bit interesting. At the end of these Vanderpump seasons or Real Housewives, whatever, they do this like, you know, Andy Cohen reunion show at the end of the year. And like, you know, they, you know, the reunion's like this big kind of thing. And it's like, you know, you don't want to spoil the reunion. Now, for Tom Sandoval's purpose, something really interesting happened. This story of this cheating thing, this cheating affair came out after the entire season had already been filmed. But before the reunion was filmed, it was like very odd how this leaked out. So now, Steph, this is what we're hearing. We are hearing that post rap, in order to do kind of some outside meeting, again, reportedly, allegedly, whatever we need to say, not to get sued here. This is not a Brett Favre establishment over here, so we're not trying to get sued. But reportedly, in order to have kind of an outside media appearance, you need to ask permission from Bravo to appear on some type of outside show. So if like 
listen, I know too much about this Vanderpump universe, but if Sheena does her podcast or anybody, you know, anybody does their podcast, they will ask permission to Bravo for certain things. Or if they do any outside media, they will ask permission. Now, Steph, you draft contracts for a living. Is that what you do nowadays? I do. I draft a lot of contracts. Okay. So it's one thing to ask for permission, right? It's another thing to get it. What's being alleged here is that Tom Sandoval, right? Everyone's going on their podcast. Jax is doing his thing. Brittany's doing her thing. Everyone, Kristen, dude, who I didn't even know how to podcast. She's out here doing her thing. Lala's going crazy. I know everything about Vanderpump Rules. Just, <laughs> you know everything. Uh, uh, I'm very aware of everything in this universe. So what's being alleged, right? All these other people are talking about this affair. This is what's coming out. The affair is very much public. People know about it at this stage, right? Everyone's everyone's talking about it. It's everywhere, every way, shape, or form. Now, Steph, talking about contract, do you draft confidentiality clauses? Yeah. Okay. What would be, what would, would this maybe be a confidentiality clause? Maybe be like a non-disclosure type situation in, in the contract? Don't talk about what's going on in the show unless, unless you get a, approval in writing. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, but the, the, I know we talked about this earlier and the thing about confidentiality agreements is there are exceptions and one of the usual suspects in exceptions is that if, you know, whatever information has entered the the public universe, then it's it's not necessarily considered confidential anymore, as long as, you know, it entered the public universe due to no part of your own. But, you know, it might not be considered confidential anymore. So to your point about about Bravo here, it's I don't know. I don't know. Would you consider this confidential information? I don't no. think it. Not. OK. Now we're hitting the epiphany. So listen, we're giving you a little, we'll give you a little bit of sports, a little bit of law, a little bit of Vanderpump rules here. So here's what happens. Okay. Everyone's going on their feeds. Tom, meanwhile, is like public enemy number one. He's not going on any show. He's not going to any podcast and he's not talking to anybody. TMZ are doing those weird clips they try to get in the street and he's not really talking to anyone about anything. All of a sudden, Tom pops up on Howie Mandel's show. Howie Mandel, yes, the bald guy from Deal or No Deal. He's got a podcast. I was also not aware of that. But Tom goes on the show kind of does like a tell-all. He's done this after the reunion has already been filmed, but he basically says everything that would probably be said at the reunion. So this Howie Mandel show does read ratings. Bravo's kind of pissed about it. And here's the report. Quote, Bravo was blindsided by Tom's interview with Howie Mandel. The network is furious and Tom could be fired. So here's uh, here's what I guess is reportedly coming out. Tom, and, and again, I wanted to set this up in terms of confidentiality and all this other stuff. Tom reportedly asked Bravo for permission to go on this outside entity. Bravo did not respond to that request. They did not grant it. They didn't deny it. They just didn't respond. So then you have to say, well, did Tom, even if they didn't respond, did he break confidentiality? Did he break non-disclosure agreement? I'm like, well, two things, right? And I graph maybe it's a good lesson in contract drafting here. If sometimes I put in contracts, right? If I make a request in writing to do something and no one responds to it within like 72 hours, I can mark that deemed to be admitted. I don't know what's in Tom's Bravo contract, right? That's potential language that's in there, number one. But number two, right? Like I would, in a confidentiality section, just like we spoke about a minute ago, sometimes, or non-disclosure agreement, once once information becomes public, you can talk about that information. Once it's out there in the realm, once other people become aware of this in some way, shape or form, they already filmed the reunion show. They already did all this stuff. It's it's an, it, the guy's living his life and everybody knows, right? In his circles and everyone else, that he was having an affair in some way, shape, or form. Like, I'm having a hard time seeing, like, a clear route where Tom is, uh, you know, has violated his contract. But, Steph, it all depends on the drafting here. Like, the devil's in the details. Like, confidentiality, 
non-disclosure agreement. Like we could joke, joke about this stuff a lot, but like the devil's in the details of that contract. So if he gets fired, we know that Tom's uh, Tom's people might have might have uh, missed a couple things here. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And not only the confidentiality um, and like the press part of it, but like you said, like if in the contract, let's say there is a provision that basically says, all right, if if you don't answer or respond to the notice that I send to you within 72 hours, then it's deemed fine. Well, right. what if that wasn't in the contract or what if it said within a reasonable period of time, it's all left up to, to contract interpretation, which is why we love the intersection of sports and entertainment and the law. Um, listen, I'm, I'm so into this particular topic. I'll give you another thing, right? Everyone's talking on their stupid podcasts. Now, our podcast not stupid. Their podcasts are stupid. But like two weeks in, Tom finally speaks. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe Tom put the request in ahead of time and only got, and then he just said, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. So listen, we, we talk about a lot of stuff on this podcast. We are in real life, real attorneys that do real things, draft real contracts. So we can have a lot of fun on the show. But sometimes we use these legal brains to apply them to sports scenarios, trees falling on our head scenarios, and also... A little bit of Vanderpump rules. Good show. Good show. Highly recommend. Steph, before we before we close up here, I'm going to put you on the spot. What to watch for? Anything Anything on your mind? Um. Well, you know, White Lotus, Thailand. That's the new location of season three. I am looking forward to that, although I don't think it'll actually come within this year. So in the interim, uh, if you don't know, now you know. Big Survivor fan over here. Season 44. It's on tomorrow right. night, Wednesday nights. So I guess we're recording this on Tuesday. So who knows when this is going to come out. But Survivor, hey, don't knock until you try it. And if you watched it when you were younger with your family, get back into it. It's This season is a good one. Lots of good characters. So oh, gonna... and of course, you know, Knicks, Rangers, we're in the playoffs, New York. Let's go New York teams. Yeah, that too. It's understood, understood that we are watching sports. I'm going to give you one. I'll give you a great documentary. I'm a big, you know, I'm a big uh, sports doc person. I watched on Netflix the Bill Russell documentary. It's really good. Like, I don't know. It's going to be hard when when people watch that and to say, like, Bill, you know, Bill Russell's not in the, in the Mount Rushmore of basketball. But just look up Bill Russell on Netflix. Do yourself a favor. Uh, Netflix. Listen, I know Netflix gets a lot of things wrong. They're sports docs. They are right, right there on par with ESPN. I will, I will stick to it. Also, are we, wait, 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 wait. Are, after that, are we really just not going to reference the the big debacle with Love Is Blind live reunion the other night? Not. I have no idea what you're talking about. I do not watch Love Is Blind, but I do watch. I do watch Vanderpump. Stop, stop. And 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 you do watch Netflix. I, I'm surprised you didn't see this on Twitter. Whatever people who are listening, you'll you'll get me. I'm sure you will. Okay, I I have one thing for you, Steph. By by any chance, did you if I if I say Rugrats, is that like way past your time, or do you like kind of know what that is? Oh wait, I have a funny story with this. I used to watch Rugrats all the time when I was a kid, and before with my brother, and before my brother and I learned how to read because we were literally watching this when we were super super young. We would literally be watching Rugrats in the TV room and my mom would be in the other room and we would scream at the top of our lungs when like the preview or the intro came through and they listed the name, the title of that episode. We would scream and my mom would have to come running in to tell us the name of the episode. <laughs> um, oh, I, get I know Rugrats. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I, I, I was like an OG Rugrats guy. Were you watching Rugrats like Dill was around? 
you were like you were probably like a dill dill pickles era yep yep my daughter is named dill uh dylan that might might not be a coincidence we were big rugrats people but um we watched uh I love that we watched the passover episode uh recently um so we have good and bad news in the lust household you ready for this yep Daughter likes Rugrats, which is good. We're watching a lot of Paramount, uh, which is all of our old shows, like Wild Thornberries, you know, Doug. She's in, she likes Donnie. She thinks Donnie's crazy. But here's the here's the good and bad news. She likes she likes everything going on Paramount. She likes Nickelodeon. The bad news, she really likes Angelica. It's a problem. It's a problem. Ooh. Problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. Angelica's cool. She's 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 vicious. She's fierce. Uh, Dylan thinks she's like the funniest person. It's a problem. <laughs> problem um okay Angelica Pickle. okay so uh listen all over the map but i wanted to you know sometimes we focus on these very very serious episodes we can have fun here on conic detrimental as well stephanie great job uh big thank you to andrew petcast for joining us over at profluence i mean it i'm not just blowing smoke i think andrew is a rising star in the sports business field 100%. he is a fantastic follow uh so certainly check him out but yeah, all good things. If you uh, again, we, we we say it, not just to say it. If you'd like to get involved in conduct detrimental, some way, some some way, somehow, uh, reach out. We're certainly to get you on board. And uh, yeah, that'll do it for another episode of Conduct Detrimental. All of us here, we thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And we'll see you next time on another episode of Conduct Detrimental. <laughs>